Rumble, go live. Okay, hello everybody, this is Mark Kumar, your lifestyle entrepreneur, here with another episode to help you take your entrepreneurial life and your business to the next level. Today, I have myself with me, Lee, a dear friend, who's gonna help you make sure that you take care of your health. When you are listening to the show, the reason why he's here, you will start to realize like, oh my God, your health is a top priority and you definitely need to take care of it. So Lee, please introduce yourself to my audience and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Lee. I'm from Preston in the United Kingdom. And I'm 34 years old. I set up my first business in 2008 and I've been on a journey ever since then to kind of find exactly where and what I wanted to do using my business to define a lifestyle for myself, but then having some health challenges which really changed my direction and made me understand myself a bit better. And we're all on a journey and our business is a great vehicle to help us discover ourselves. So that's kind of led me to now set up a business helping other entrepreneurs find their path, make sure that their health is optimized and treat themselves like their own business. And then help me understand, or people who don't know about you, how did you go about on this venture or on this journey? What caused you to or inspired you to get to this path? So it's quite an interesting story, to be honest. I went to university. I was the first one in my family to do so. And I didn't really know what to expect. But I studied international business, which was really good because I got to do a lot of different topics through that, I got to do politics, got to do history, geography, language, psychology, and business, all in one bachelor's degree. So that meant that I had a lot. I had a lot of different skills, but not. I didn't niche so deep into one particular area because, in many ways, I didn't know what I really wanted to come out and do. And that led me on a really interesting path where I then got a graduate job. I was planning to be a financial advisor, so I got into a UK bank, started working there as a graduate. This was 2007, and after six months, suddenly a lot of the staff above me, my managers and the leaders above me started getting made redundant with the credit crunch. And I was like, oh, no, this doesn't look good. I've been here six months. What am I going to do? So my boss pulled me in and said, that professional qualification we're going to put you through to become a financial advisor, it's been pulled. We don't have the funding. So I was like, oh, that's, um, what am I going to do myself now? That's a bit of a bit of a kick in the teeth but let's carry on let's keep going and then a week after they pulled me in and said sorry Lee we're making you redundant so that left me in a position where I was like wow I planned out this career in financial advice to go through and get the qualifications and get myself independent get myself chartered and get myself to a point where you know I was uh, at the top of my profession and after six months I've been taken away so it was a challenging time, but what it actually led me to do is to think, okay, so if they're gonna, if I'm gonna go and expect corporates to train me and to promote me, and that can get taken away, well, actually, why don't I take control of my own life, take ownership, and actually go and do qualifications myself and build a career myself? Then I have the control, and I can't. I'm not going to sack myself anytime soon. So that led me on the journey to thinking, right, I want to start my own business. Okay, so what was the first business that you started? Yeah, so, I mean, I was one of these kids who was, like, always trying to sell something. So when I was seven, I got a lot of my mum's items, actually, put down a tablecloth at the end of the street and tried to sell them to passers-by. 
So I was always that uh, child with a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. I used to buy sweets that were out of date from a paper shop, take them to school and sell them for double the price. So it's always been kind of in my uh, in my mindset to set something up. But when you go through education, they kind of take that out of you a bit. And you start to think, mm, maybe I'll just take the safe option and go and get a job. Uh, so what kind of happened is I this, when I lost my job, and was made redundant, I was like, okay, so I'm going to try some things. So I started buying and selling online to see what I could buy and sell and make a good margin on. So I tried it with toys, found the margin was difficult because the postage was high, tried a new number of other different things, tried clothes. Again, the prices fluctuate quite highly depending as the fashions change so quickly. Uh, and actually tried video games, and that really hit the spot because they were cheap to post. And the prices fluctuated a lot, but you could ride the waves around times when games were being sold a lot. So just before Christmas presents, just before school holidays, when people wanted to entertain the children. And I kind of thought, I bought some games and sold them and made a re really good margin. And I thought, okay, I can extrapolate this. I'd finished university and gone back and lived with my parents to reduce my costs. So I had the ability to start investing in this. And out of my parents' bedroom, all of a sudden, I had a, a in the first year, I had a business that was pulling a six-figure revenue, and it was just like, oh wow, I've really uh, fallen upon something here. Uh, and in so many ways, I was still working at the time in local government, but in local government here, you get to you don't have to work particularly hard, so that allowed me to put a lot of time into that. And I was, you know, I was really pushing it and finding ways to get more and more stock and starting to make connections with wholesalers and start to really build it. And this was me. I managed to pay off some of my student debts and just carry on making money. And it got to the point where I was able to actually afford my first house only two years after starting the business. Wow, that's inspiring and like, wow, that's amazing. Well, first of all, congratulations on your new house and how long you had the house for now? I mean, that was back in 2010, I bought that first house uh, wow. and now I've bought I've had the privilege of buying another house with my wife and I rent that house out. So, Wow, that's amazing. That's, and that's great, man. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about like after your first business, what are some of your, some of the challenges or the things that you learned that you never even thought about before? Like, oh my God, I have to actually deal with this. Okay, so I mean, there's personal challenges and business challenges. So I kind of started to build the business, but I was quite a bit reluctant to get other people to help because I, I felt like I could control most of the processes and started to look to try and automate some things and delegate some things. But I, I really enjoyed being in, in the business and probably didn't do as much work on the business as I should have done. And I kind of, if there's anyone listening who's at that point where they're making really good money, they need to start looking at taking themselves out of it a bit and start spending some time on the business rather than in the business. Because I was enjoying myself so much being in the business that I almost forgot about actually working on the business and starting to build more systems and more processes to take me out. And I kind of went on a bit of a journey myself because I was still working alongside the business, even though I didn't financially need to. And in some ways, it was just... It's just like a social element of getting out and going to a workplace. I moved from local government to working with unemployed people and I was helping them back into the workplace. So I was helping them build the confidence, find the type of job they wanted to do. 
and then help them to, you know, build the CV, build their interview skills and go and really sell themselves. And that actually felt really good, helping those people get from that point where they didn't really know how they were going to get back into work to getting them to interviews and getting them, you know, getting them back in work, seeing them, you know, coming back, smiling because they got the job they wanted. And that was really, like, that really fueled me up. And I was like, I didn't need to work that job. But the, the passion I got from that job was great. And then in many ways, that kind of took me along the path to start thinking, okay, so I'm doing quite well. I've gone out and bought a nice house and a nice car. And I've started my family with my wife. And, you know, life's really good. And I started to think, how can I start to maybe give back a little bit? And then just as I kind of hit that moment, I became unwell and lost the ability to walk. And that changed my whole life in so many ways. Wow, that's... I, I, I know personally, I don't know anyone who was hit with that particular challenge, but um, I can't even begin to imagine, for example, if I or people who listen to this, if you lost your ability to walk, how would that change your life? Number one. Number two, the amount of stress that it's going to put on yourself, especially if you're a family man, if you have a kid's wife, so on and so forth. It's like, I can't even begin to imagine. Can you talk about that, the stress level that it costs? And, and you know, the people who are listening oh. possibly can relate to it. Yeah, so it, the first thing is to kind of realize that even though I was doing really well in business, your health is absolutely vital. And so, I mean, to pitch the situation, I was physically active. I was, you know, going to the gym. I was eating quite well. I was in good physical health. And I went through the course of, over the course of five days, my wrist, my shoulder, both knees locked in place and had swollen up so much that I couldn't really move them. And that took me from like a fully independent family man to a hospital bed, having people help me shower, help me eat, and just help me to live over the course of a week. And that was a massive shock to the system. And initially I thought a bit like, you know, I'm 29. Why me? It's it's not really fair. In so many ways, this this is something that's, you know, taken away. From, I felt and grieved a little bit at first. But quite quickly, that kind of turned to gratitude and realising, OK, well, not only have I been really ungrateful for all these years of being able to walk, but suddenly I've got these amazing people around me. My wife is coming to help me shower. And it's just, you know, the, the health care is free. I've had all these opportunities. I've got a business that I'm still managing to do somehow from a hospital bed. And just the people that cared for me. And that just everything, realising that actually I was incredibly lucky to have all that. And I'd been so ungrateful before and so busy just building the business and being me that I hadn't thought of all the, the, the amazing people, how amazing my wife was, how amazing my kids were. My son was 18 months old and my wife was six months pregnant and she was still coming, helping me at the hospital to shower and just, just to learn. And when you really realize how people care about you and how much people you know really mean to you and how you're so you're really not grateful until you're in a crisis and then you start to understand how important the people around you are and all the great things you've had living in the first world the opportunities the education the healthcare, and all this stuff with my business it was all free i had the ability to do it and some people in some countries they're not allowed to go and set up a business unless they've got certain accreditations or they're in certain castes or classes 
And I'd had all those opportunities and just really, really taken it for granted. So I kind of took that and thought, okay, so, you know, I can't actually walk properly right now. I'm going to go to physio and do my hydrotherapy and get back on my feet. My daughter was born not long after I came out of hospital. And I realised that by the time she was walking, I wanted to be walking and playing in the garden with her. And that was a massive power of why to kind of get up on those mornings when I was in pain, when I was struggling, when I had to do all my physio exercises and I was stiff and I really didn't want to. And I kind of thought, I'm going to be proactive and really attack this disease in the same way it's attacking me and really take ownership and say, if I'm going to try and get better, again, it's on me. That's my responsibility. I can't sit here and take my medication and think that it's going to miraculously and amazingly magically turn me back to how I was. Right. I need to accept that I was, you know, going to have this disease for the rest of my life, but actually say, how, how can I tackle this? It's a challenge. It's not a threat. And I can really grow through this suffering if I really try to push the boundaries and try to get myself better. That, that is truly an inspiring story. And, you know, you went through it and in a, such a drastic way that I can't, I don't even wish on my worst enemy to do that. And just to people who can currently in a situation where we are in the COVID-19, some of the things that we actually enjoy, like going to the regular restaurant or going to our favorite park or a gym, things in that nature, we took that for granted in the prior world. And now we're sitting at home, we can't do anything, you know. So it, not to say that uh, what we the rest of the world is experiencing anywhere close to what you went through, not even close, like not even 10%, I can imagine the, the amount of stress level that's probably took out on, not only just mentally for you, your wife, your kid, your family members, and all that stuff. So I, I can't even begin to imagine, but I'm so glad that you somehow figured out how to overcome it and applause to you, my friend. That's a amazing, amazing story. And I, I can't even... Wow, that's truly inspiring. Yeah, and I just think that, it, again, in, in this current climate, I mean, as humans, we, we we become really ungrateful and we don't really see how amazing things are until the crisis hits. And then when things are taken away and things are restricted and you lose things, that's when you actually become, oh, wow, that's great. And suddenly I can't do that. Or I've lost that. I've lost the opportunity. And again, we're not really good at preventing these things coming along. But when the crisis hits, we suddenly switch on all our senses on and we become really, we have a much more acuity for the, the benefits and the impact we can have, the difference we can make and the amazing things that we have access to in the world. And it's just, it's through, through this current time, so many things will come out of the other side and people are starting to connect with the communities. They're starting to have conversations that are deep and meaningful asking, you know, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Is there anything I can do to help? People are actively going out and trying trying to find ways to help the vulnerable. And people are thinking, right, okay, so I've got to slow down a bit from my busy, busy life. What, what do I want to actually do? And starting to think a bit more about the culture coming out of the other side where we're all a bit more attuned with ourselves and understanding and really being grateful for being able to get out and do the amazing hobbies and activities and things that are right on our doorstep that we just walk past so often and think, oh, that's good, it's just there. Exactly, right? The things that we really, really took granted, like the other day, me and my uh, 
friend was going outside or whatever and then I'm like oh wow there's a place here that didn't really exist in. and passed it for like years <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting and intriguing i find it you know so so yeah and i think people have been going out and what yeah people have been going out and walking and finding these wooded areas very close to the house that I've never been to before <laughs> exactly you know it's like now nowadays like because of this covert uh, 19 thing whatever i think it's a wake-up call for all of us to say appreciate every single thing that you have because you never know what could happen tomorrow because you never yeah. know you know that's so it's like now, nowadays going for a walk is like wow that's a luxury and i'll get mm. with my <laughs> <laughs> like because you can't you gotta stay at home depending on which part of the world you are you are forced to stay home now i came with my friends like now obviously if the discontinue going to mcdonald's would be like a treat like wow i can go to mcdonald's have a meal <laughs> <laughs> it's the little thing Mark. <laughs> exactly truly so you know that's wow and this particular pandemic literally taught us how to truly value and and not take anything for granted, at least for me. I know some people that I know personally, they're like, yeah, we don't take anything for granted because we, tomorrow is never promised, especially after this. Yeah. Because, you know, everything, even if, even the, the new normal will never be the old normal. We will definitely. Never, definitely not. So, and one other thing to think, Mark, is that in, out of crisis comes massive innovation and creativity. So if you look at the financial crash where I lost my job and my training, Uber and Airbnb were born. And sometimes, quite often, it's in, in crisis where people start to think, right, how can I disrupt this industry? How can I do something different? Times are bad, but actually, times that are considered to be bad are the best times to try and pivot and do something different and to stand out from the crowd and to really set something up that sets yourself apart from the competition. Because when you kind of hit the upward spiral again, as everything opens back up and the world opens up, You'll be in the perfect position with your products or your service that is different, that is fresh, that is new, that's creative, that, you know, looks to put a message out there that we're not just standing still, we're also moving. So if you look what Airbnb did to the kind of t tourism and what Uber's done to the taxi-style transport, well, they came, they built something and completely changed a, a worldwide system. And again, this is the kind of period where there's clever people, there's intelligent people, they're getting their heads down, they're thinking, right, how can we start solving the future's problems today? And how can we start preventing the, preventing the problems of the future now? And how can we find solutions for future problems so that when we get there, we're ready to go? Right, absolutely. So speaking of the future problems, what are some of the future problems that you would like to solve in the next, say, another three years? What product or services or ventures or journeys you would like to take or you are in the process of taking? Yes, yeah, so I'm very much in the process of looking at, in terms of organizational psychology and organizational culture, how we can get and start to change and nudge the Western world and then the rest of the world towards building systems where we're more conscious, where the leadership and management teams are looking at the business as a vehicle to benefit society, to benefit the employees, the investors, the communities they serve, the customers, and the partners and collaborators that they work with and looking at things in a more wider view and having a culture where people are 
able to communicate how they feel and going to work well and come out of work well. So building environments both physiologically and psychologically where people can come out of work feeling like they've been looked after, feeling like they've been able to be aware of the health and they've actually been invested in, that they've you know been appreciated and that they started to you know do something in the work that's actually really purposeful and actually making a difference to the world and building something bigger. And that kind of aligns with their mission and the things that they want to get out of their life. So we're all kind of, we've all got a purpose and that kind of underlying purpose runs through our life. And we feel most fulfilled when we're going in that direction, up that mountain that we wish to kind of travel. So if your business can align with that, then people jump on board. The leaders are building not just followers within the business, but other leaders. Management is helping people and communicating in a way of clarity and businesses, cultures, are the values align and that is transmuted through the whole business so that everyone is on that bus together, travelling up a highway, knowing that the drivers have got the physical and the mental health intact so they're not swerving around the highway, trying to hang and on their life. And kind of, that's a big part of my work. And the main thing is not to try and solve the problems we've got today, but to future cast out 10 years' time and the future of work in society 5.0 and the challenges we're going to have then as jobs are automated and people have to skip skill in different areas as the technical skills become slightly less important and our transversal skills become more and more important and we start to have to you know really get that resilience and that cognitive flexibility to retrain as something else when our job is taken by automation by algorithms by machine learning and robots and data science is moving in that direction and so is biotech and there's going to be many challenges but those challenges will open up business capacity for people to grow and become more and I'm hoping that I can get into a point where I'm saying to businesses don't just push the margins further businesses are here to make the world a better place not just to make money and that big part of that is looking after your staff also kind of looking at the difference you can make and I think a big thing is now in terms of the 200 most wealthy entities in the world over 150 companies so the future of the power of nations is less and the power of companies to change the world will be more ever increasing so it'll be those companies who are making a difference to our planet making our difference to society and hopefully building a person-centric society and a culture where we all start to benefit and look after each other and that's kind of a big shift from where we've been as we've become more integrated into ourselves and more individualistic and more goal orientated but just for some kind of societal success not necessarily the success that we've stated for ourselves so in many ways it's about me going on my own little mission to make the world a better place and to make people wake up happier every morning so they then spread that happiness to their children, to their families, to the people they meet at work, the people they go and do hobbies with and have more time and energy to go and do the things that they love. That's, that's awesome. That, wow, that's great. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> how how is your life changed? Well, number one, the tragic you went to, which you explained. So how did that, the code 
with 19, did, how did that affect your business or your lifestyle? Has it changed any at all or is still, or is it any yeah. better, good, worse? Um, it's again, it's been another eye opener where you suddenly become more grateful for things again. Right. And part, part of my business was digital, part was physical. So the physical elements have been considerably dropped and I've had to do more stuff digitally. And again, when you've kind of got that hybrid system of being part physical, part digital, it's much easier to move into full digital because you've already got that rapport, you've already met the clients, you've already got the people that you're working with, and you've already got some of the systems in place. And yeah, I mean, it, it's been interesting, but it's really opened my eyes to the fact that when we come out of this, I still want to go back and do a lot of my physical work. I enjoy going speaking in companies, in education, and really sharing my story and, and opening people's eyes and building that awareness. But it's definitely shown me how the digital can embed these processes in a more deeper way. Digital helps to measure, and digital is, is quite an effective way to expand my reach of what I do. As the physical element, again, there's only so far I can travel and jump on planes around the world to spread my message. And exactly. I, I've kind of utilised blogging, and started to write more content, started to film more, and just started to kind of clarify my message so I can deliver it out to more people. And as part of that, I'm on with you today, Mr. Lifestyle Entrepreneur himself. So this is a great way to spread the message to people who are looking to build those lifestyle designs. And one of the most important messages is, again, make sure you know what success is for you, and then go and chase that. It's quite easy to chase what you think society means success is. And if you don't do it clearly, like me, you kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole. You make, you make a good amount of money, but you don't really know what you're doing with it. <laughs> it's quite easy to then think, oh, I'm quite successful and take the foot off the gas. So, yeah, it's really getting that purpose, that direction. Why do you want to design that life? And there's a balance to be had between the hedonic happiness of going doing whatever you want when you want and the eudaimonic happiness of going helping people, making a difference, and knowing that you are in tune with yourself and looking after your body, because your body and your mind, they're the biggest assets. Exactly. No matter it's, what like, it's like the best thing that I tell all my friends and clients, whatever, is like, hey, if you don't take care of your body, I think you would agree with it. The money is not going to do anything. If you're not here in this physical world to enjoy it, what's the what point of you having all this money in the bank account? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you if you actually let your health get so bad that your decisions become poor, that money will just amplify you to make even more poor decisions. Exactly. So the better your health, the better you can use your money to do things that matter. And it's kind of getting that message across that for your business to grow to be as big as you want it to be, you as a person have got to grow as well. You've got to become the leader and become the person who can take that business further. And that means that you have to grow, you have to learn while you're going through the process of growing your business. And it's about finding that balance because if you grow so much yourself but your business doesn't grow, you're not going to have the money to make a difference. Because I kind of look at making profit in business. It's like red blood cells to humans. Business needs profit to stay alive, but you don't live for red blood cells. Yep. And businesses don't live for profit. And I quite that that's a good way that I kind of put it to my clients. Like it's it's important that because so many people now are saying, go and follow your passion and do your passion. But 
you have to utilize your passion to monetize something that helps the world. Otherwise, people aren't going to pay for your passion. It's just a hobby. Exactly. So you've really got to kind of look at what your strengths are, what the world needs, and how you're going to get people to pay for it. I couldn't say it better myself. Like the favorite phrase that I use all the time, if you're not making money or you're not making any sales, you just have a very, very, very expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got. Very expensive hobby. That's going to literally take you down to the bankruptcy level. I mean, you're going that path if you don't make any profit. But you know, that's, some people agree with it, like people who are smart, like you and me. Other people are like, no, 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 no. And then they are in a credit card debt and so on and so forth, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's so a balance to be had. Exactly. If you want to have a healthy life, physical, mental, and financial, you got to have all those things, three things. And then, you know, other factors like family, kids, so on and so forth. So it has to be a, a balanced life or integrational life is what I call it. Not anymore yeah. because you can't balance life, personal and a business. If, if, no. if they integrate with one another, then you are golden. That's what I think. So what are your thoughts on yeah. that? Rather than you saying, Hey, let's do a work and a, personal life balance and if your work is let's just say physical trainer whatever and then your life at home doesn't coincide with that it's always 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 you're gonna hit clash and then what are your thoughts on that yeah so i i completely agree and i've got like my own advanced philosophy on this but the whole idea of work-life balance well for a start work is part of your life so the idea of balancing them is, it's old fashioned. It's like 1980s, this work-life balance. It's almost like this imagination that you've got these, you know, got these juggling balls and you're juggling your life, your work, your relationships. And it's like, okay, no, no, it doesn't work like that. You've got, they're, they're all integrated. They're all your life. Your life has lots of different parts and you have to kind of make small changes and make a bit of progress in them all. And there's going to be times when you're putting more effort into one and another one gets slightly neglected. But life is like that. You just can't neglect certain areas for too long. People like to neglect the health because eating poorly, not sleeping enough, and not training doesn't hit you straight away. It hits you in 10 years when you've not been looking after yourself and suddenly you get <laughs> sick. So people quite often do that. And I kind of say, right, so a big part of my philosophy is you're working your life are integrated along with your relationships and your own personal development. You need to individually work on them all. Now, it only takes a tiny little bit of time on each one to make sure they're all still moving that little bit forward and getting that little bit of progress. And there's yep. going to be times when you're setting that business up and it's hard to get that initial momentum. It takes a lot of effort. And unless you've got massive investment, a lot of the effort is you wearing lots of different hats as you gradually build lots of different systems to start pushing the forward and making that momentum. So you know what? Your relationships might go... You don't have the time for the relationships as much. You don't have the time to read books and invest in yourself as much. But it's about finding that point where you balance it back up because the idea of building your business is to allow you to have more time for your deep love, more time to build yourself, more time for your hobbies and recreation. And... The idea that people will push the business and push it and push it and push it, and that's great, but you've actually got to get back into doing what you do, back into your life. So, yeah, and I kind of look at that as well in terms of physiological and psychological. So that's my philosophy when I'm doing well-being within business. So 
it's kind of pointless to come in and do sleep awareness with a business and really help them understand how sleep is a necessity, not a luxury, and how important it is to performance and health. But then not look at the fact that for people to really value sleep and start making a change in their life, they need to work on the mindset and the habits. So they need to start to actually have that mindset that I want to perform better. I want to have better health outcomes. So I will put the time into sleep because it's easy to take an hour of sleep and watch Netflix. But <laughs> it's actually putting your health before your entertainment. Well, no, it's not. But you've got to kind of look at it where we're looking at sleep, we look at nutrition and we look at movement. And those are the big three things that build that physical health. So you're in great shape. You've got wake up in the morning, springing out. You've got energy to go and do what you need to do. And it only takes a little bit of a change in each of those small little habits. And they compound and get bigger over time and make you healthier and healthier. It actually works the same way, where if you keep having lots of little negative habits, you spiral downwards and become gradually have less and less energy. You become less and less vital. And you gradually just become more jaded and tired. But if you actually work up, you become almost like treat yourself like a little corporate athlete and kind of get yourself to that peak, that elite level where suddenly you're incredibly productive in the area of your business where you bring the most value. And that means you make really good money. So you can then bring people in to do the bits where you don't bring as much value and the bits that you don't really like doing. And that gives you more time to do what you need to do, the bit where you bring the value, where your skills lie, and then you'll have more time to do the other bits in your life. So that integration is massive. And if we just think about it in terms of big pharma, you know, I'm not going to get sued or anything, but they try and make a pill to fix one symptom. And the side effects are like 10 things because right. as soon as you go too deep on one and try and fix that, it breaks everything else. And that's how we work both in terms of our bodies and in terms of work-life integration. If you push too much on one and try to do one thing, breaks everything else. So you've got to find that way to integrate them together, gradually get them rolling together, push one a bit more sometimes, and then come back and push the others to catch up. And if everything kind of stays in a relative line, then you've got that life. It's not balanced, but it's aligned. It's integrated. It works. You're there. Awesome. Well said, my friend. Uh, <laughs> next thing, what I want to do is like, was this is amazing information coming from me, and I'm not I'm learning so much about it. Let's just do a little case study. Like, say, let's just say, for example, I am, I don't know, 20 years old, right? And <laughs> I, I want to start my own business. I don't know anything. I'm straight out of high school. What advice would you give me to say, hey, Mark, do X, Y, and Z to start your business so that way you can see profit within the next six or eight months? What business would you advise me to do or how would you coach me to go about doing it? Okay, so it's very difficult to say to someone, right, try this business. Because right. what it is, it's entrepreneurship. It's a journey. You don't really learn it at school. What happens in education is you learn to find answers, which is great, but Google gives you answers. What we actually need to do is practice asking powerful questions and also listening to ourselves and learning to listen to others. So my advice to a 20-year-old who is looking to set up a business and go into entrepreneurialism, there's numerous different things. Definitely, I suggest they start reading because that gives them that kind of theoretical framework from people who've had, had the journey. Start to read about people who've gone through the challenges. It's like having a mentor in a piece of paper 
So you start to kind of see what pitfalls people have had, what failures they've had, what lessons they learned on the journey. And if you're actually able to, and you're brave enough, which you should be, because you're going to be stepping out your comfort zone a lot of times if you set up a business, start reaching out to people in that industry who have followed that path and have got to the place close to, or maybe even to, where you want to go in the future. Put out a word, send them a message, start following what they do. And there's a possibility that they might want to even give back and mentor themselves or at least give you advice, which is incredibly valuable given that they've had the journey and they can you can leverage what they've learned because as they've gone through and had those mistakes, they can help you avoid them. But when you're 20, and I say this to anyone who's kind of in this position, but your 20s are the perfect test bed for experimenting. You've got you know a good 10 years where you've got tons of energy you've got tons of insight, your brain is still fresh and it's it's hopefully not completely uh, fried like it does when you get older. But you, you've got all that chance to go and fail at things and in many ways just to go and have a good time and start to find out who you are. It's so vital that you start to chisel that direction that you want to go in because when you've got that direction, suddenly life becomes a lot easier because you're on your path, you're not on other people's paths. So you want to start a business and you're kind of looking, right, so I want to start building some skills that will come in really handy on this journey. I want to start to find people who've done that journey, who are willing to invest a bit of time in me and understand. So you start to read, you start to reach out, you start to research. But most importantly, you go and try. Like I've, I've had a failed business and most people who've found the path and found where they want to go, I've had a business that's failed. That's not something you need to look back on with emotion and think, oh, I'm a failure. I've messed up. You kind of look back on it and think, okay, so that didn't go as expected. But just treat it like a science experiment at school. You know, when you tried to burn some chemicals and you put too much in and it set out the classroom on fire. It's just like an experiment. And so many young people come out and think that business just happens. It's like magic. Well, like so many things, like becoming an athlete, you don't see all the training from being such a young age. People, when they're on stage singing music, you don't see all the busking and all the gigs that they went to where two people turned up. It's, it can be a challenge. And at first, it's difficult. You don't always boom off like a rocket. You start to slowly, slowly build momentum. And that patience is important because so many people just want it now. And it's important not to get hoodwinked into the entrepreneurial world where you go and buy courses of people telling you of systems that make it quick, that they give you all the shortcuts to become rich and famous. And Because really, entrepreneurialism, it's complex. For so many of us, me included, it was quite a case of with the video game business being in the right place at the right time, a lot of luck, some hard work some other people's hard work and a sprinkle of my skills on top. And they don't want to sell you that because that's not sexy and that doesn't sound easy and it doesn't sound like it's just going to happen. But entrepreneurialism is not an easy system to simplify. You've got to go out and try it and find your own style of entrepreneurialism. So you find out about other people's journeys. You even reach out to people, but don't be them. You're only going to be the second best them, even if you're amazing. You be you, the entrepreneur that you want to be, the entrepreneur that you need to be, and bring your talents and go out there, test, come back, measure it, didn't work, don't worry, go again, try something else, 
I tried selling all sorts of things before I found that games were the thing that were going to work for me. And again, throughout other businesses, other business, tried it, made some money, and then it flatlined, then didn't work, tried things again. I've had to pivot my business a number of times over the years as things have changed because the video game market, it doesn't sit around. It moves really, really quickly. And people doubted that I'd be able to get into that industry and make the right connections and get into the networks and actually do what I was going to do. But again, sometimes people's doubt can fuel you to get to exactly where you need to go. And that negativity, sometimes it's bad to look upon it that, you know, you're pushing on because someone else said you can't. But you actually need a purpose and the fuel to go because it's not easy. You're going to get up some mornings and be like, man, got to do this again all day. And, you know, we're human at the end of the day. It's going to feel like that sometimes, but it's about starting to realise that it's a journey. It takes time. For most people, they're not making money in the first year. 75% of businesses fail. You just need to be that quarter who kept going, who kept trying, who kept testing, measuring, iterating, going again, planning, designing, and just seeing what works. If you try 10 things, I guarantee you one of them is going to work. But if you try two, probably not going to happen for you. Clearly, yeah, clearly not. I think that's the thing that most uh, young people are because the people who are ahead of them, they're trying to sell them this nice little thing. Like, hey, you try this one gizmo, it's going to work. And then when they try it, they feel like, oh, entrepreneur sucks. It doesn't work. Yeah. Like, no, the, I think the, the best way that you, I think you would agree is the, the best way I will explain. So, like, you try, 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 you fail, you learn something, you try, 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 you fail, and then you try and then you succeed. And then everybody's like, oh my God, he's amazing. And then what about the last five years that I've failed? No one talks about that. <laughs> no, no. No, and it's, it's funny because I think the best way to kind of describe it to people is we quite often believe that what we have to bring has to be perfect. But so often we've services and products designed, especially by people who are really, really clever, is that the market's not ready for it or it's not what the market wants. So they go all the way through this process, design, 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 amazing release, not ready for it, not what it flops. So yep. sometimes actually good to go quite simple, minimum viable product and actually bring something to market and evolve it and churn and churn and learn and get that feedback and find what's working, what's not, change it, modify it. It's a, it's a real journey. And some people seem to think it's like bring product, bang, sell forever, win. <laughs> and it's just... It's such a constantly dynamic. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur and think that you can just sit there and have passive income, it's not going to happen for you because right. no income is passive as much as you try and imagine it is. And to make a real sustainable business, you are constantly moving. You never, ever stop. Yep, absolutely. And I, I agree. Like, unless you are trying to do what Elon Musk is doing, trying to create that new electric car, you know, <laughs> that's a different concept. Even for him, there was a, like a lot of different challenges that he came across before everybody's like, okay, I'm, we're going to buy into it. So anything new, I think anyone, any human being will be like, first, when you introduce a new idea, they'd be like, kind of back off. I'm like, no, I don't want to try because no one else has proven the record of like this thing actually works. So you will get some result, some pushback to say this doesn't work because that particular idea has not been tested. Just like when Elon Musk with his electric car, when he first started, like it doesn't work. And now it's like people are lined up trying to pay him in advance 
before he mm. did get the car like you know it's like the next thing is like the spacex thing what he's working on oh most yeah. people like you know there's a bunch of other things so long story short if you're trying to uh create an idea or develop a business which no one has ever heard of you are going to have some challenges obviously so in your very first business we don't recommend you do that what you what a well, I think you might agree with it. It's like recommend is that take an idea that already exists. Like for example, uh, podcasting world. There's a bunch of mm -hmm. podcasting websites out there. Like we have one. We didn't say we're gonna be the next best thing in podcasting. We just say there's a whole bunch of out there. We're just gonna give you what other people don't give you, and that improved us, put us in the marketplace, and people tested out like, hey, this idea works, and there's already people who are paying for it. And then like, hey, you're paying for this, but you're not getting these other things that you may potentially need. Then we're going to give you that. So try to think about that. What other ideas are already working and what other people are looking for it that you could incorporate within your product. And that way people are like, hey, I already picked that way. You know, there are people out there who are willing to pay for your product. And then the uphill battle is not going to be that as bad. That's my thoughts. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, it's very similar, to be honest. I mean, if you kind of look back at the electric car, there was a company in England who tried to sell electric cars in 1984. Needless to say, they were a big company at the time, and this project sent them bankrupt. People weren't ready for electric cars in the 1980s. It, 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 barely, it barely went anywhere. <laughs> so oh, really? even if you look I, at like I, I didn't Musk know about that, the whole 1994 thing. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it's called the, uh, the Sinclair. Um, but if you look at Elon Musk's journey, he had managed to leverage so much finance that in the early days of Tesla, when the very few early adopters were buying, but it cost him, it cost him, he was, wasn't profit making for so long. And for your average startup entrepreneur, well, I'm sorry, but you might want to change the world, but you can't be loss making for seven years. <laughs> you've got a life to live so really you know in so many ways it's about looking looking what's already there and looking what's successful but starting to think okay so this is successful how can i change it slightly for a different audience or a different market how can i bring this to a different industry where it's not there yet but it will work really well starting to look and think okay so this works and maybe i can improve it slightly it's almost like a sometimes a case of going looking at a product amazon and seeing what the one-star reviews say, the one-star reviews are saying, right, this it's a bit flimsy here, or it doesn't work that well in heat, heat conditions, and actually thinking, right, so I can make something that improves on that. Looking at services and thinking, right, when people are saying on the forums, this doesn't work well, this bit doesn't work well, and, you know, I can't sign up here, and stuff doesn't upload quick enough, and there's not enough resources on here to make it worth the subscription. Well, you look at that and think that feedback is data for you to build something that doesn't have those issues. And if you can do that, then you set yourself apart and improve something that's already there. And the thing is, if it's already there, that means it's usually profitable. So if you can improve on something that's profitable, there's a good chance you're going to make some profit. And it's kind of looking, sometimes you need to take things across industries. Sometimes you need to look at best practice and try and push it in different areas. Sometimes you're just trying to make a difference and trying to do something slightly out there, but it's always worth trying. But if you're trying to create something completely new, well, first off, there's very little 
market research and you're going to have to go and do that all yourself. Right. You're also then going to have to create the buzz around something that people don't really know. You're going to have to try and market something and have to explain it to people because they're not going to have a predefined idea of what it is. And then that makes it quite expensive to even get it out there, which is why so many people, so many ideas now for businesses, so many new businesses come in, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're just adapting and creating systems that offer slightly different functionality, products that are slightly better in some areas, slightly slightly more utility or slightly more mobility. And if you kind of look at the cars out on the road, they're all really the same. It's very few differences. Exactly. But look how many co different companies sell cars. And they're all at slightly different price points and quite often they share many of the same parts and yeah, there's room in the industry for lots of different people. There's room for new upstarts. There's room for people who are embracing technology. And so many companies will come from this crisis now where they've just taken the digital aspects and really spread that out in a way that's creative and that's innovative. And there will be the new app that's on everyone's phone in five years. In fact, there'll be the app that's being uploaded into people's microchips on their arms and and, you know, suddenly healthcare and these big old industries that are controlled, there's going to be new companies who come in and take processes and change things up. And it's like, just look and just think, what, what might be the challenges of the future? How can you start to solve that today so that when that problem starts to appear, you're there, you're the market leader, you're ready. And that's kind of where it is. We live in a global world now and there's so many people you also want a piece of that pie. So you've got to make sure that your tip-top health, tip-top development, personally growing every day and getting that bit better and springing out of bed that morning hungry, ready for it. Yep, that's 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 definitely the case. You know, it's like just small improvement if you're starting out and if you are going to try to come up with a new idea, then uh, expect a, a lot of setback or a pushback from the marketplace so lee i just want to personally thank you for the time that we have spent up until now it's been an amazing learning experience getting your thoughts on a few things so if people want to get in touch with you how can they go about getting in contact with you yeah the best way to be would be to visit my website which is leechambers.org and www.essentialize.co.uk find me on twitter i centralize and instagram i centralize coach awesome Lee. thank you so much for being on my show i truly appreciate it i know people who are going to be listening today they will truly appreciate it thank you again for being on my show and i look forward to talking to you in the near future and i wish you much 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 success in your journey it's a privilege mark thank you for having me on